This is the Macmillan Library Podcast, a community conversation maker, bringing you curated conversations with Macmillan librarians, community members, authors, musicians, artists, and more. Welcome to the Macmillan Conversation Maker Podcast. Today on this episode, we have Jenny Bonneman, the Young Adult Services Librarian. And she's going to tell us about a oral history project that she's been working on. But first, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I have been working at Macmillan Library as the Young Adult Librarian for a little over five years now. Uh, I'm originally from Milwaukee, but I moved up here uh, because my husband found a job in Wapaka. Um, So we moved to the Wapaka area and um, I I found the job at McMillan Library and have been here ever since. Awesome. And how did this one room schoolhouse oral history project come about? Well, our assistant director, Brian Kopetsky, wrote a grant for the library, um, and we received the LSTA grant, which is the Library Services and Technology Act grant. And we wrote that grant to create a digital media space for the library. We included plans in our grant application for community projects that we would complete using the funds and the equipment purchased from that grant. Uh, we already had a rural schools digital collection, which you can access from our website at macmillanlibrary.org, and they are housed on um, the Recollection Wisconsin site as well. So we have pictures and documents, and we decided we kind of wanted it to expand that digital project. And we also wanted to create an intergenerational project by working with local Um, high school students from Lincoln High School. So we decided to use our newly purchased sound recording and editing equipment to conduct a series of oral history interviews focusing on uh, Wisconsin Rapids community members who attended a one-room schoolhouse. Uh, What was the process for finding people to interview for this? And what was their reaction when you asked them about this? Um, the process was fairly simple. Uh, we promoted it at our events. Uh, we also promoted it on our Facebook page, on our e-newsletter, um, you know, trying to look for and recruit people, um, who experienced, um, the one room schoolhouse. And, um, we had five people that we interviewed, but we could have interviewed like a ton more because people were very willing and very interested to share their stories with us. Um, so they were pretty excited about the project and I think really appreciated that somebody wanted to listen, um, to their stories and that they were sharing it with the whole community as well. That's awesome. Did they, did any of them know each other or go to the same one or are they all from different areas? They were all from different schools, except there were two sisters that we interviewed, I think that went to the same school, but they were, um, you know, they were kind of years apart, so they weren't very close in age, um, but they were years apart. But generally it was all different schools, which was kind of interesting too. And there was um, kind of a, um, a really great timeline between the different years that each of our participants started 
um, first grade in a one-room schoolhouse. So I think uh, we had one person who started in 1938, and then we had a person who we interviewed that started in 1960. So it was very interesting to compare the differences. Did you purposely pick a broad range of people then? We didn't, and actually it just kind of worked out like that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then you had a display down in the lobby and an event and Jerry apps came. Right. How did that all go? Yeah, it was great. Um, the display uh, we put together, um, it kind of looked like a timeline of um, their stories of the participants that we interviewed and they shared a lot of pictures with us. Um, so we made copies of those pictures and we had them on display in the library so everybody could see um, and share that. And we also had the um, Southwood County Historical Museum uh, come in and fill our display case with um, schoolhouse related items. And that turned out really fabulous. And then as a closer, we invited Jerry Apps to come um, who is from the central Wisconsin area. He grew up in Wild Rose and he's written a book about his time in a one room country school. So that was kind of our closing event and it was amazing. We had 84 people there and most of them had attended a one room schoolhouse. So they were like thrilled um, to all kind of share stories with each other. And you could tell there were a lot of similarities in the different schools that they went to and it was really great. So it was like a reunion kind of. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's like they were coming yeah. from one room schools all over the state, they were all very similar, which was really kind of interesting. Is there a place uh, online to see any of these pictures that you got? Uh, we don't have the pictures uploaded yet, uh, but I would imagine we would include them on our Recollection Wisconsin site. And there is a link on the Macmillan Library website awesome. to Recollection Wisconsin. And for any of you listening to this podcast, uh, if you didn't click through it on our website, I will be uploading some of the pictures to the page on our website. So if you're listening on iTunes or something else, you might want to come on over to the website and you can see some of the pictures there. Um, and we are going to play one of the interviews on this podcast coming up. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Charles Bruder. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about his experience to lead us into the interview? Sure. Um, Charles is a Wisconsin Rapids resident. Um, however, he attended Tar Valley School, which is actually near Toma, Wisconsin. Um, and he started at Tar Valley first grade because none of the one room schoolhouses had kindergartens back then um, in 1938. And we asked a lot of questions about them describing the school building, typical school day, about recess, about their teachers and things like that. And Charles was really interesting because um, when he was in elementary school, that was during World War II. So he had a few stories to share about that as well. Did you have any favorite moments in the interview that people should look out for? I think it was always fun to hear them talk about recess and lunch because um, recess was always a big deal for them. And it seemed like playing ball and baseball was always um, a similar thing that kids would um, participate in um, at the one room schoolhouses. But I think overall, um, just the very personal anecdotes that they were giving um, is kind of a little window into that history um, 
and I just found it really fascinating to listen to their experiences. Awesome. And where are the rest of the interviews that are available located? So if you want to list, if you listen to this one, uh, where can you go to listen more? So you can go to Macmillan Library's website, which is macmillanlibrary.org. And right on the main page, if you scroll down a little bit, there's a title that says One Room Schoolhouse Interviews. You can click on that link and we have all four interviews posted on there with links um, that take you to Recollection, Wisconsin. And you can easily listen to the interviews right from um, your computer at home. Fantastic. And now here is Charles Bruder. Today is April 29th, 2017. This is Jennifer Bonneman, Young Adult Services Manager at McMillan Memorial Library. And this is Maggie Island, a sophomore at Lincoln High School. We're at McMillan Memorial Library in our media studio interviewing Charles Bruder on his experiences in a one-room schoolhouse. Could you please state your name and where and when you were born? My name is Charles Bruder. I was born in uh, Tar Valley and uh, Greenfield Township in Monroe County. Uh, and the land that I was born on was bought out by Camp McCoy, which is Fort McCoy now, on my grandfather's farm and my uncle's cottage by a pond. <clears throat> Every time we went by on the highway, I would say, I was born right over there on my grandfather's farm in my uncle's little cottage by the pond. Before we start with the schoolhouse questions, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I was born in 1933 in April, April 17th. And uh, we moved about two times because the military bought the land that we were on. So we kept moving east and they came right up to the road so we didn't have to move this again. I started... Uh, school at five years old because there wasn't any kindergarten in that Tar Valley school. Mm -hmm. You were supposed to be six. And somehow my parents talked them into letting me start school in September, and I wasn't six till April. Okay. <laughs> so I was always a little bit slow and behind on everything. And could you describe your home life when you were younger, what your parents did, and if you had any siblings? Okay, my home life, well, I had uh, wonderful parents, very wonderful parents, very strict. And I had uh, all together uh, eight brothers and sisters. And at that time, when I was going to Tar Valley School, I had a sister... Uh, two sisters born, so we were like three kids that I remember, you know, playing with and stuff, and a lot of fights. My sisters, they, we didn't get along very good, but we weren't, you know, mad. Mm -hmm. Sibling rivalry. And uh, my parents, we lived on the farm and uh, brought up and all the time on a farm. Mm -hmm. What kind of thing? What kind of farm? 
Well, in uh, Tar Valley, where the school was, it was a small farm, uh, 80 acres. It was always, we rented all the time, most of the time on the different farms. Well, actually, we only were on two, that mm-hmm. one and then another one. Just a dairy farm. At that time, a farm was, uh, if you had 12 cows, you really had a farm. Had about 8 to 10 and you milked them all by hand. There was, and we had no electricity. There was none, wow. even not even in the whole valley. I was in. Well, I started school at. Well, I just said that at uh, five years old. Went to that Tar Valley school till uh, halfway through the fourth grade. Just at that time, the uh, military was uh, having maneuvers. They had. Uh, reds and blues and they were mock fighting all over the countryside the army had an air force then there was uh being right by the military base there was uh planes with mock battles where they were trying you know like one was the enemy and the other they're practicing their maneuvers to that must have been amazing to see that it was to me Mm -hmm. and then uh <clears throat> the uh, the soldiers had a camp right in a hollow right by our house. Was, you could walk by to school and you wouldn't see them because there was a woods in between. But I would go up there and they would give me these dog biscuits and some of their rations and mm-hmm. stuff like this. <laughs> and the light poles were just coming over the when I was a, in the fourth grade. The light poles are just coming over the hills, bringing electricity to that valley. But we never had it yet. So. Okay. About what year was that? I started school when I was five, and I went. This was in the fourth grade. Mm-hmm. So. Forty-two. Forty-two. Had, that's about when the right. war was starting. My dad had to ask the military to, for the troops to, stop, eating our corn because the ears were you know like you would uh, maybe could cook corn and stuff really he was saying we if because of the size of the army we would have a bare field of corn because the guys would just go through and they would they would just take rip it. off a ear of corn and start eating it <laughs> they weren't supposed to do it but anyhow they were real nice it has nothing to do with school, but I used to go up there and watch them all the time. Mm-hmm. And they have a log set up there by their camp, and they had a circle on it. And they threw bayonets at them to that circle. And you wouldn't have wanted to be in that circle. These big bayonets, they fixed on their end of their rifles. They had them off. They'd throw them. And I hardly ever seen anybody miss. And they'd always let me leave with a bunch of their military food. <laughs> so much of it, they didn't like it. Can you describe the outside of the school building and what the building looked like, like the color and the type of structure? When you went inside, one door there, there was a hallway where you hung up your coats, and there's a door that went in on that side and a door we went in on this side. Can you describe the picture? Okay, well... The picture got the date when it was built, Mm -hmm. 1891. Mm -hmm. All my uh, aunts and uncles all went to that school. 
My dad was born in 1896, and all them kids went there till my grandfather gave some land farther away, and the other school was built, but nearer their place. It was a, a big round stove in the back with a jacket on, and by the time you walked to school in the wintertime, if you had any liquids, they were frozen, so they'd let you put your lunch inside the jacket of that big stove to warm it up so it wasn't froze. And you want uh, more like, you know, a set of maps in the front that they'd pull down for this. There's George uh, Washington's picture and Abe Lincoln's picture there. There is a copy of the Gettysburg Address hanging there, a four score. And seven years ago, our forefathers father brought forth upon this kind a new nation, conceived in liberty and so on. We had to memorize all that. And there's a lot of things about the Constitution and stuff like that. My first teachers were old. I mean old. One time, one of the students asked the teacher, said, Mrs. Clay, how old are you? And she went over there. Her dresses, only her shoes showed because her dresses were so long. And she went over there and she grabbed that pig. What we were supposed to be doing, we were supposed to be, uh, uh, because of the heavy military and the war was starting and stuff, we were supposed to be writing to a serviceman that we might have known. Well, some of the kids had brothers in fathers in in the military, we're supposed to be writing a letter to them. That was part of our schoolwork to learn how to make write letters. And uh, the teacher <laughs> ran over there and grabbed that girl's paper out, and she says, "It's none of your business how old I am, and now you're going to get an X." <laughs> uh, let me see. I was trying to think. Uh, oh, and for lighting, there is no electricity there. Okay, that was our next question. So no electricity. No electricity. Okay. Was there plumbing? No plumbing. No plumbing. Outside. On uh, this side was the girls' nice, large outdoor. And on the other side, back to the end of the thing, was the boys' huge, you know, like three holders. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's where you went. Here, up in here, closer to the road, there was a pump. And uh, there was an old tin can hanging on there uh, by the lid, and everybody drank out of that. You'd pump water in the tin can. But inside, they had a earthenware crock that somebody filled it up every morning, and somebody lit the fire every morning. I never knew who'd done it. You'd go up to the bubbler, and you'd press the button, and... The water had come out of that that somebody had filled up in the morning from that pump. I don't know whoever I don't know whoever built the fire, but mm-hmm. it was never there was nothing to freeze. So mm-hmm. if it went out during the night before mm-hmm. the person come, they would start it. Did it keep the building pretty warm? It was a huge stove, and it looked bigger because of this big jacket around it. It mm-hmm. was the jacket was there for safety because otherwise, you know, kids would get get burned and it was to keep our lunches warm and and, uh, we'd uh, clothes weren't anything near what they are now and you'd have snow pants and stuff like this but uh, the 
All the kids' clothes would be hung on the outside of this jacket all around there to dry out because they got wet just going to school. You had frozen pant legs and your boots were wet. Clothes we have nowadays is wonderful. How did you get to and from school every day? Well, walked. Walked. And, uh... How far? How far did you... Okay, I thought it was a long ways, and it was when I was younger, and my hands were in the real winter time, no matter what. Usually uh, you had frozen fingers when you got to school because mittens weren't what they were nowadays, and your mittens would get wet, and they would be frozen, and so would your fingers. And a lot of times the teacher would come back by that big stove, and all the kids that had frozen fingers, she'd sit down on one of them little chairs, and she'd rub your hands and try and get to, and then she had uh, some water there, you know, that you were supposed to put your hands in the water, and then she'd rub your hands, and then uh, it's always near the stove. The roads, a lot of times, uh, there was no cars. Uh, the snow was so deep on the roads, they used horses with sleigh. Every kid walked, and the snow would be so deep, once in a while the plow would go through, and it would plow a great big road but the brush grew right up right up to the ditch a big tall tree so all the snow would gather right in the middle and a lot of times when the snow plow go by we could uh, walk along on that thing and we could touch the telephone wires that there was a uh, party lines and we had about 11 or 12 people on our line and uh, you went by rings ours is r12 one one and the telephone wires always sounded like they always sang. You could always hear them humming, hum to them. At first, I was afraid to touch them because they were humming. But right. then I seen other kids do it, so then it was, <laughs> then you did it. How many kids were in your class, and how many kids were in the school overall? There was probably about four first graders, and overall, well, there would be well under twenty in the whole school, and. Uh, <clears throat> they walked, all of them walked, uh, and it was, if you got over the hill, that was a different school district. But uh, ones that were halfway up there, there was homes, they all walked, and they walked a long ways before they ever got to my place. And then as you come down, the group got bigger and bigger, and we'd all be walking together. Could you tell us about your teachers? I'll tell you about my first teacher. I don't even remember her name. But my mother took me to school because I was five years old. And I was all right until Mom wanted to leave. And then I started crying. Ma left and the teacher said, and I don't remember her name even. She said, just go ahead. He'll be all right. Well, I wasn't. I kept crying and crying. Finally, the teacher said, "Uh, you stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. So I didn't. I tried, you know. And she uh, says, you stop crying, and I didn't. And she says, she grabbed me, and I was a little tiny kid, you know, she shook me and shook me and shook me. And our desk, my desk and the kid's seat in front of me was all one unit, which was screwed to the floor. And only one screw was in the floor somehow, and she shook me, and I 
held on to the desk, and pretty soon that little boy and I fell over on the floor. That was my first day of school. But uh, then as the grades come along, we had some pretty big kids in the higher grades. They were seventh and eighth grade. They were they were big. And as uh, I got into my third, fourth grade, the one year we had started out with one teacher. She wouldn't come to school anymore because of the behavior of the bigger kids. That year we had a teacher that wouldn't come back, and we had three substitute teachers because nobody could could control the school because the bigger kids were so rowdy. The next year, now this, I remember this really good. We had a man teacher, and he uh, would, uh, he figured out who was the troublemakers. He'd let them go for a little bit, and then finally he'd say, okay, Mr. So-and-so, go on outside, I'll be right out. And they would go outside, and we'd all run to these windows, you know, you didn't dare go here. There wasn't any windows, and you didn't. They had a glass in the door, but you didn't dare look out there because you didn't want him to see. But all the kids are looking, trying to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. But the teacher stayed right in front of the school with that kid. <clears throat> here, this great big kids would come in. They'd be bawling their eyes out. We never knew what went on. They never said. So he must have really done a job on them. One by one, he got them all. And the one went out this door. He turned around to us because the teacher went ahead of me. Like, uh, he's going to teach the teacher something. He came in, bawling like a baby. And, of course, the worst part, because I got a licking one time, too, for whispering. And he said, he wasn't even looking. He was writing on the board. He says, okay, Mr. Bruder, no whispering. You remember that? Well, I hadn't finished what I was saying to that kid, so I finished what I was saying. He said, now go out, go out in the hall, and I'll be right out. He said, he pointed to little chair. He said, hey, take that chair with you. So I figured I'd be sitting down. So I took the little chair out there, and I sat down on it, and come up, he made me get up, and he sat on the chair. He took off his right shoe, held it by the heel, and he spanked my butt because he made me lay over his knee. He wet my bottom. I cried and cried and cried. The worst part was walking back into that school because all your classmates were all laughing. You could see through your tears. They were all having a good time about you getting a spanking. I only had one. He had order in the school. Then he uh, organized ball teams with all the rural schools, which there was all kinds of them. And we would play this school on Friday and that school. And he'd put all the kids that was going to play ball in his car. And he would take them to whatever school. And then the other kids in that would come and when it was our turn to play ball. Everybody loved him. We had hoped that to have him again. But we never did. <clears throat> Heard later that he went on to another school that needed some straightening out. Everybody just loved him. Even the kids that he had had to really discipline. It must have been pretty rare to have a male teacher. Because I think most teachers There was hardly any male teachers at all. The teachers had pointers. They had pointed to maps and stuff like that and pointed things on the board. If you misbehaved and stuff like this, that pointer was about that long. 
that was a teacher's disciplinary thing. She'd maybe wrap you a little bit, you know, not on the head, you know, kind of on the shoulder. You didn't have to have that happen very much. So that was just some of the discipline. One of the things was that uh, you were made to stand in a corner like this. <clears throat> My brother said his nose was... Uh, what was a typical day at school like? You always had homework, so you were checked to see if you had your homework. I took it home, but I never done anything. But uh, anyway, then you'd have your first class, the, usually the younger uh, kids, first and second graders, you'd be first, and you'd go through your C. Dick run, C. Jane run, 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 stuff like this. She'd take the bigger grades before the first recess, it'd be 15 minutes. Then she'd take the larger kids, she'd let the first and second graders go outside. Well, when we got out at, uh, when Donnie and I got out uh, ahead of the other things, we'd go to the boys' bathroom and we'd smoke them cigarette butts that his mother hadn't smoked up. And the one time the girl, she was swinging, and she seen us standing out by the thing and smoking. I said, Bonnie seen us smoking out here. She's running to the school. She's probably going to tell the teacher. Sure enough, here comes the teacher. We threw the cigarettes down the toilet. And the teacher said, are you boys smoking out here? Oh, no. Well, anybody who don't smoke, you know, you can smell smoke in the air for a mile. No, no, we didn't. And she says, well, you better not, and if you are, you better stop. Well, she went back to the school, and we looked, and all the toilet paper was on fire in the boys' toilet there. We had quite a blaze. The flames are coming up through the toilet holes there. And so uh, one way you thought about putting it out, but that wasn't enough. So Donnie was running to the pump, and he was getting these little cans full of water, and he's running back. We'd throw water on there, and I had the old broom handle there, and I was stirring everything all up to try and put the fire on. <laughs> we could have used a bucket, but, you know. Anyhow, we saved the toilet. What would we have done with it? Anyhow, uh, that was us. Did you have recess? And what did you do during recess? Okay, recesses is what I look forward to because I wasn't a student. I was really dumb. Recesses, you had 15 minutes in the forenoon. You had our lunch, and you had 15 minutes in the afternoon. Well, in the summertime, we played a lot of ball. That's what you've done. You'd run out and say, I'm first batter, I'm second batter, I'm third batter, or I'm a pitcher, I'm a pitcher. And then whoever, whatever they said, that's what they got. And then you'd be, I'm second, first base, second base, third base. <clears throat> Uh, oh, in the wintertime, we uh, done a lot of the circle in the snow, you know, with uh, like a pie. And then uh, the person in the center had to try and catch somebody. So then they would be in the center. A lot of snowball fights in the wintertime. Did you get any homework? There was all kinds of it. And uh, I took some home all the time. Always took some books home, but I, I didn't do much of it. And uh, my parents would uh, try and get me to do it. I just couldn't understand it in a way. But uh, after a while, my parents just give up because uh, I was not very bright. 
Oh, what did you eat for lunch? Yes, he had a. He took your lunch, and <clears throat> most every kid had a lard pail. We used to get our lard in pails about that high, and it had a handle on it. So that, and it had a lid on there. You'd have to pry the lid off, you know. And uh, usually he had sandwiches, a lot of peanut butter and jelly and stuff like this. And sometimes you had leftover pancakes, so you'd s- smear jelly on the pancakes and you'd roll them up, put them in. Uh, he didn't have wax paper or anything like that. He just had them rolled up in there and... Uh, and you'd have, by the time you got to school in the wintertime, everything was froze anyway. And then you'd have them by that stove. Well, once in a while, you'd have some cheese or something like that. Were there any extracurricular activities offered through the school? No. Uh, <clears throat> there might have been for upper grades before I, you know, I don't know. Some kids were very smart and they'd done extra stuff, but... I don't remember any, but the main thing was after school was there was a lot of playing around outside or before you walked home from school. Did you have a spelling bee? Do you know? Was there a spelling bee? Oh, we had spelling bees. Okay. Yeah, we had a lot of spelling bees. Did you have a Christmas program or a holiday? Oh, we had uh, we had a Christmas program, but it was. Secular, there was no religious thing there. Mm-hmm. Usually, the churches nearby had uh, the Christian Christmas story. Right. Usually, it was something to do with Santa Claus or something like that for in the grade school. Mm-hmm. We did have, while well, I was still there, a couple of plays that we done for a certain day in uh, school, and all the parents and they'd usually have a picnic on that day but it wasn't the last picnic of the year we'd do that play out on that porch great big porch out in front there we would uh, use the two doors to do our entrances or exits from whatever we're doing to play kids weren't really actors them days we were very self-conscious everybody i thought i uh, had a part that one time and i uh Really felt pretty good about it. I was really hamming it up really good. When did the school year begin and end? Okay, usually they always started uh, in September. Was it Labor Day? Being mostly all the kids were on a farm, sometimes it didn't start for them. They, the bigger kids, they would, it was about that time there'd be certain harvesting and stuff like that and some of the bigger kids would if folks would just see they didn't uh, actually people didn't uh, think uh, or into the school their chances are all their parents like my 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 mother went all the way through grade school eighth grade <clears throat> my dad went to fifth grade you uh, wouldn't have been able to uh, understand the books that he had to do for a job that he had during the war on the railroad, you wouldn't uh, wouldn't understand him. But he only went to the fifth grade, and he was very, very, very well educated for five years of school. Anyhow, the 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 school ended with a great big graduation thing and uh, the end of the school picnic, and even the parents, and moms, and dads, and kids, and everybody were all with play ball and. Uh, 
and uh, even the parents would have picnic lunches and all this. And usually we had a where they'd bring a great big lunch or something, and uh, people would bid on the basket social kind of, and they would bid on things. And uh, like uh, some of the older kids there, the bigger girls would bring a, a certain basket or something, and they uh, it was all fixed because it seemed like they'd always end up. The guy knew what basket was theirs, you know. And Would they eat together? Bought the basket, that's who you ate with. Anyhow, my dad actually had two jobs. He farmed, and then he worked on the, what they call the section for a Northwestern Railroad. Two of them went through that town, Tunnel City. <clears throat> and he, walked, he worked all day long on the section. And of course, my mom was there, and us kids all had chores. Then he'd work all day long in the railroad, and then he'd come home. And one thing I remember about the railroad, if it snowed a lot and all this and that, the phone would ring, which on a wall. And uh, all the people in the vicinity that worked on the railroad would be called in, and they'd have to shovel snow out of switches, and they would have to make sure that the tunnel had, they had doors on the tunnel, and they had to make sure that the doors had uh, weren't um, snowed shut and all this, and they had to shovel all the important parts of the railroad because the trains during the war was very on time, and there were specials, but they ran a lot, a lot of, lot of trains. And so it was real important. That, but then my dad farmed all the time also. Did you have an eighth grade graduation ceremony? No. No, okay. You got your report card, and uh, it was on the, the day that we were done in May. I remember that one May, on the day that we went left school, it snowed, May 31st. After eighth grade, what happened from there? Well, I went to high school. My first year of high school was 1946. We had an acclimation day where we went to figure out what you wanted to take, how to get to where you had to go, uh, and you met some of the teachers that you were going to have. It uh, it was a different kind of way of school. You didn't have a uh, one teacher. You had. Uh, a lot of them. It was up to you to study, whereas if you had one teacher, they kind of kept an eye on you and uh, made sure that you... Uh, Did you feel you were better prepared for high school? Uh, well, I figured that I was prepared for high school. Where you had to, where you were uh, a poor student to, uh, to get your work done, it wasn't nothing the school done. Well, I... Uh, I liked to box in high school, and so that was my most exciting stuff. Uh, but then uh, I was getting near 15 years old, and I got in the habit of not, I'd go to school, but I wouldn't go to school. I'd hop on, I'd somebody's milk route, and I'd ride in the milk hauler's truck and do his work for him, load the cans and unload the cans and all this and that. And um, most all of them had a six-pack of beer, you know, in the seat, and they smoked. And, and I didn't get paid for nothing, but I'd have a beer and smoke a cigarette and stuff like that. 
I'd go to farmers and I'd work, but I'd always get home so I could get home in time for my chores at home. They learned that I was going to quit school, which I did, and uh, I was called to the office and they said, uh, we understand you're going to quit school. I'd started my third year of high school. The vice principal and the principal was a principal was a woman, and uh, the vice principal was a man, and they had me there, and they said, you know, nowadays it's very important to get a diploma, and uh, it's a very important certificate. Chances are you can't get a good job without one nowadays, and I understood what they meant and all that. I said, uh, don't bother talking anymore. I'm just going to quit school, and they said, just a minute, Charles. You know, unless you get this valuable certificate, you may not ever amount to anything or get anywhere in this world. And I said, they were right. But uh, I knew what they were talking about, but uh, and it was so important. I do have a high school diploma, which I got 51 years later. It it would have been nice because what started in that one-room schoolhouse got my appetite whetted a little bit. And I have studied and read more. I've looked in the dictionary more than I ever did in all my years in high school. Reading and studying different things is so exciting now. If I could have caught that way back in school, it would have been wonderful. What influence did attending the one-room schoolhouse have on your life? Overall, one thing I didn't know it then, but it started uh, me being inquisitive about learning much later in life, uh, especially when I was in the service. I was uh, starting to be interested in uh, the things that I should have been learning way back in school, and uh, <clears throat> you know where I went to different places and that and. And I said, you know, I heard about this in school. I wish I had really studied when I was there that uh, the teachers, the two, that uh, the male teacher and Mrs. Schrader or Whitman, it was Whitman, then uh, Schrader, they were the greatest influence in my life. Is there anything that you would like to add? Memories, thoughts? No, I think we've just about covered everything and... I really appreciate that you've taken your time to have me come here and go through that. I probably give you more stuff than what you even wanted. <laughs> yeah, everything was great, and we're very thankful um, for your time today, Charles. Um, we appreciate you sharing your stories with us and with our community. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The Macmillan Conversation Maker podcast can be found at macmillanlibrary.org backslash podcast.